Hello, and welcome to this podcast featuring Yamaha artist Jimmy Bosch. In this interview, you will hear a charismatic music director and band leader who values respect above all else. A leading salsa and world music composer and lyricist, Jimmy began his musical career at the young age of 13. Through his many experiences and lessons learned in various bands, Jimmy branched out to form his own band, the Jimmy Bosch Band. Along with his work as a band leader, Jimmy has also enjoyed a long solo career as a result from his many years as a musician. Jimmy has performed on countless Grammy-winning albums, including those from famed artists Paquito de Rivera and Ray Barreto. Now portraying his personal life experiences, along with his musical inspiration, he continues to create salsa for the next century. Join Kurt Witt, marketing manager for Wind Instruments, as he speaks with Jimmy about his musical career. For your listening pleasure, check out his latest solo CDs, Soniando Trombone and Salsa Dura. For more information on Jimmy, visit his website at www.jimmybosch.com. We're here talking today with New York City-based trombonist Jimmy Bosch, a guy who I've known now for about 10 years and uh, really, really impressed with the, the body of work that you've done and the time that I've known you. And one of the, one of the hardest working men in the music business I took a quick look at your schedule of where you're headed to over the next couple of months, and it looks like a geography lesson in uh, not just the United States, but but the entire world. I gotta tell you, the next three months probably don't even represent what the last nine months have been <laughs> like, uh, which has been quite busy. I think the the blessing for me, Kurt, is that I work on so many different projects. Interestingly enough, this is my 10th anniversary also with my band my solo okay career so i launched uh, the jimmy bosch band in march of 96 did my first show at sobs and in 98 put out my first record on Rico latino records and i guess a year or two later Sansadura, i did that and then it took because Rico latino sold their business and uh, all the everything changed hands there it took about four years before i got released from that label in my own label, JRGR Records, to put out my third record, which is um, El Avión de la Salsa, in that 10 year span. So, three records, two live performance DVDs. label part of your career is really interesting did you start out you know as a musician hoping to get involved in that or is that something that's just kind of come along as a result of you needing to find better distribution for your music and became a necessity because of that well I you know salsa music business uh, the whole um, idea of launching my independent record label came from came directly from walking into the offices of, of, of record labels, established record labels. Um, and within the first 10 minutes of my meeting, after having them express that they want to record my next record, um, the next thing out of their mouths was, 
but we have no money. At which point I said, well, then this meeting is over. <laughs> You'll have a nice day. And, and I think, lo and behold, after, after three meetings like that with three different labels, and that come from, you know, I, that, it, just, it was such a turn off. And, and the truth of the matter is that record, um, the salsa music record business was not doing well at all. Nothing really was selling. Um, it, the whole salsa dura format that I love, which is the aggressive format that is very expressive, uh, that lends itself to freedom of expression, a lot of soloing um, for all of the artists in a band, like in my band, um, different from the Sansa Romantica, which is all about the lead vocalist and everybody just gets to play the parts. And that's identically every single night. Uh, that was frustrating for me. That was another area that I looked at. So what did I do? The internet is now available. I sat in front of my computer. I started researching it. You know, how, how, <laughs> what how, does it take to create a record label? I said, who makes the money in the business? And I saw how it's broken down with the record labels and how you launch that and how you create that and barcodes. And I, I literally did my homework for a, a week. I sat in front of the computer until my lower back was killing me. And, and that was enough. I took all that information and I decided to invest all my energies and efforts and monies and produce my, my own record, launched the record label, got barcodes, the whole bid, and, and got Ryko to distribute the record. And uh, the other thing was that I, I was very aggressive in merchandising and sold a whole lot of product out of the trunk of my car and really saw where the money comes in. And so now I'm a happy camper, that's what I do. Has that been a fun process? It, you, As you're talking about it, your eyes are sparkling. And I know people listening to this on their headphones can't, <laughs> can't see that, but it looks like it's something that's been, been, been very energizing for you as a person. It has, it has, it really has. Um, a, a huge growing experience. You know, you play trombone for 30 years, you record on 50 or 60 records, everyone says great things about you, you acquire a certain level of acknowledgement, appreciation, and love and respect, but you, you know, you're playing rent month to month, so to speak, or mortgage or whatever it is, and, and, you, and, and, and I witnessed great, my heroes in salsa music and the Latin music business who have ended their lives or their journeys with having very little to leave behind for their loved ones. And I really took a look at that. And it's, is, that is that really what I want to do? Do I want to be one of those musicians that goes around for the rest of my life saying I'm playing for the passion of music? Uh, yes, I do. But aside from that, I like to think that I've acquired some business sense and I've learned how to make money in this business. And it is very possible to do that. And so I've done that. And I can continue doing that. It makes absolute sense for us to be rewarded that way for that, which we love to do and do well. And um, rather than have everyone else make money off of the artist. I think it's important to tell that artists really get in touch with, with that, um, that possibility for ourselves. The theme you mentioned of the artist as not just the performer, but the businessman is certainly a recurring theme in a number of players I talk to. And, and but this is no change for you. You've been doing this back since, again, we first met and I saw you after a Mark Anthony concert that you were playing trombone in the section, you were out on the street handing out flyers about your new CD that That's had right. just come out, That's right. and you were out there working the crowd as your, you know, your own promoter. So and this, I still do that at other people's shows. So this is really no change <laughs> for you, is it? Not at all. Uh, a change in that I've matured and I've learned more and i figured out better ways to make, um, to get better results from the time and the energies that I invest in that process. Um, today, I not only hand out postcards, but I actually sell CDs to people. I mean, I, I, I run to the lobby between sets 
after the shows. I'm very accessible to, to my audiences. I have always been. That's an area that I've always been. I prefer to be out there with the crowd than, than to be backstage uh, waiting to make some grand entrance. For some reason or another, my, 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 where I'm happiest is when, with the people to get to allow myself to hear what people have to say about the experience they're about to have with me or have had with me um, by way of performance or music that I've recorded or songs that I have written. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to receive words from people that acknowledge that some of what I have done or what I do touches their lives. So not only is the money important or being successfully successful financially as an artist, but for me, the people contact the, the uh, what this music, what chat do does to people is, is probably more rewarding than all the money I could ever make. That allows you to give back. Totally. is the first priority and the trombone happens to be your vehicle to communicate yeah yeah in a very very powerful way absolutely it makes no surprise then that trombonists like yourself would be a great leader of a group because the trombone plays such a key role yeah uh, well I think I think that and, and I think band leaders really ought to have some degree of personality. I think I have, I have some, you know. Um, I love talking to people. I'm articulate, both in Spanish and English. I love traveling the world. I've been able to do that. I've, I've, I've really incorporated all of my worldly experiences. And, um, and um, I think, I think I, I'm responsible in the way I, I handle that responsibility. Because being a band leader carries some responsibilities. And sometimes there, there are people as band leaders that ought not be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they should leave it to someone else to do. <laughs> not for nothing. And that's inclusive in, in, in salsa music, you know. Um, but I, one of the things that I bring to the table as a band leader, Kurt, is that I, I absolutely honor and respect all of the individuals that are on stage with me, no matter what band it is that I'm working with or for. And so when it's, it's my band, I really get to acknowledge musicians the way I ultimately love to be acknowledged by band leaders when I work as a sideman. And so I give people a room to play, a room to solo, and we make music, and I treat them with respect to the best of my ability on all levels, you know, by way of room assignments, by way of food and conditions and money and all that, you know. You, you talk about respect for your band and also yeah. I'm guessing you respect the heritage and lineage of the music that you're performing. Absolutely. Absolutely because uh, I'm born here of Puerto Rican parents and so that history, that identity, that lineage for me is important to represent as a band leader. So not only on stage but off the stage, how I conduct myself and how I show up. Am I a no-nonsense kind of guy? Uh, you better believe it. I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy when it comes to business and dealing with people on a professional level. And I'm a no-nonsense kind of guy as a band leader as well. So I'm not just a, a free-for-all, you can do anything you want my band. On the contrary, I, I, I absolutely um, empower, I look to empower my position to be professional and responsible both on and off the stage and represent not only the music that we play because we love it and because it feeds our families, but because it represents something about our culture and what we get to offer the world. 
and uh, and that's a beautiful thing. We've talked to a number of players in these podcasts that have used Yamaha instruments for many different styles: jazz, classical, smooth jazz, fusion, rock, funk. And you're the first Latin salsa musician we've talked to, and yet the Yamaha sound and your Yamaha trombones perform just as well for you in your music yes. as they do for the people playing at the orchestra. Which is a great thing. It says a lot about Yamaha, and it says a lot about the instrument. Um, it's not just a player, it's the equipment, you know. And um, I, in, I have to tell you, in salsa music, Yamaha is probably the most used trombone instrument or, or Yamaha. I, I remember many a times in rehearsals I look down the line and everybody's playing the Yamaha trombone. If it's not the same one that I'm playing, it's certainly a different model. And um, and I can go right down the line. Joe, Joe Feidler, uh, Dan Reagan, uh, Steve Ture. I mean, there are an awful lot of cats out there. I can't even list them all. Um, and people are always asking me, you know, what what do you play? <laughs> what is it about the horns that you've got that makes them your voice? Um, the facility with which I, it, it lends itself for me to create the sound. The sound. I think, in particular, the YSL six forty five, which I use, um, is just the right size for me. It, it has just the right delivery for me. For some reason or another. Um, in the style in which I play, which is which a bit, it's is a bit abrasive. It's a little bit aggressive. Um, I tend to move a lot with the horn. The weight of the horn is is just such that no matter where I go with the thing, you know, I'm able to keep it to my face and still do what I do. Um, uh, the horn is very comfortable for me. Um, in in many ways, not not just the weight, even even the the length of the slide and the extension of the slide and how that feels to me. Um, and I can play hard and the horn stays together, the sound stays together, and I can play high notes and bang them hard. And it stays. Most of the time I scare the hell out of, pardon the expression, I scare the hell out of engineers. They don't know what to do with me. These days I don't even use monitors, Kurt, to tell you the truth. You don't need it. <laughs> well, I don't need it partly because I've, as a player I've really matured to the point where I really get to, to use the sound of the, of the halls. And that's exciting to me as a salsa player because salsa musicians typically ask for more than they need. We just keep asking for more and it gets, it gets to a point where it's really hard to appreciate the music even on stage. And that became annoying to me to some extent. And then over the last couple of years playing with groups like Spanish Harlem Orchestra and the Cachao, Israel uh, Cachao Lopez, which I still work with. Um, in those settings, the venues that I got to play with, uh, great sound systems and I, what I've really learned to do is to play with the natural sound of the horn and I much prefer that than to have myself smack in my face in monitors so it's a good horn in that I can do that and and still hear myself and and really my ears have learned to adapt to the to the rooms and I have I really have a lot of fun doing that. Your style of playing and style of music you talked about salsa dura yeah. is something that's going to have uh, additional demands on the instrument and that you're a very aggressive player and the instrument has got to be able to withstand just the sheer force that you're putting into it from a construction standpoint. I just I took a look at your horn a minute ago and it, it's had some wear on it, but you know what, it, it looks pretty good. <laughs>
things that you've recently done. You just returned having played some concerts with the symphony orchestra playing the music of Vivaldi. That's right. And salsa. And from just looking at it, you wouldn't think those two would mix very well. But I have a feeling that you're playing Vivaldi, typical Vivaldi, would be quite exciting. It is very exciting. And, and you hit it on the head. There are, you have two people sitting next to each other. One guy loves it, and the other one is completely offended that I would do such a thing to classical music, to Vivaldi. You know, Vivaldi is one of those chamber music things that's been happening for, what, over 100 years? The Four Seasons? Um, Jeff Letterer, who plays saxophone in my band, uh, was commissioned. We commissioned him to write an arrangement for this to incorporate Afro-Cuban rhythms into that process and reincorporate the improvisation to play on that because the music back in the day was that. It was about improvising on top of all of that. And so we have a violin soloist, a classical violin soloist. In the case of Hollywood Bowl, it was a, a, a young guy named uh, Pekka, I forget his last name, from Finland. Very young, enthusiastic, the guy absolutely loved it. He was a great soloist and he loved playing on the, on the little body chases. We had a blast. We, we, we were exchanging solos on some of the movements. Some of the movements they played by themselves, some we played by ourselves, and then the rest, the symphony and the salsa band performed the movements together. Um, it's a very, very exciting show. What, about, what I've done was to create a, a project that, uh, that lends itself to stimulating new audiences for salsa music and new audiences for classical, because all of a sudden you had, in an 18,000-seat arena, you know, Half of classical people who never listen to salsa music, and half of Jimmy Bosch fans who, who never listen to classical music, and all of a sudden they're in the same place and then, and, and say, "Wow!" You must have a whole legion of fans that came to your show, not having any idea what they were in for it, not and, at all. and left fans of yours. Yeah, I hope so. I I, I like to think that um, that's exactly what's happening. Um, some of the we have some reviews. And, and to be quite honest, one review was great. It says, oh, this is the best thing Hollywood Bowl has ever put out this year by way of concert series. And there was another guy who was completely offended. He said, man, they totally destroyed Vivaldi. How dare they? You know, the salsa band overpowers it. These are all those elements, then dynamics come out. And the good thing is that people are talking. So. Somebody said once, every listener is equal in their opinion. Absolutely. The Vivaldi Project has probably opened up some new performance opportunities for you and your group as well. Yes. Now having what salsa players would not consider the prime opportunity to play with a symphony orchestra. Yeah, in particular for a salsa band to perform with a, um, a symphony orchestra. Um, has it been done before? Yeah, Tito Ponte was able to do that in uh, um, some occasions. And uh, I believe there may have been one or two other experiences where a Latin band, salsa bands, did projects with symphonies. And usually it was having symphony orchestras performing the music of the salsa band or the, or the Latin big band. In this case, it was the Jimmy Bosch salsa band playing Vivaldi music, you know, which was a, a total twist. What did the orchestra players think about it? I, I think at first, you know, when we get on stage, the orchestra players are saying, Oh my God, what is this? Congas, Tibalas, Bongo Bells, they're gonna kill us, you know? <laughs> By way of buying. Because it's, it's challenging. It's challenging to put those instruments on, on stage to play with a string orchestra. Um, but at the end of the day, when they get to experience the reaction of the audiences, you know, people start applauding. 
at the end of every movement, which is not so typical in classical music. They wait till you do the whole show, or halfway through the show, you might you might get a breakdown. And, but the minute they hear the salsa rhythms in the first, you know, primavera wood, uh, spring one, there's a reaction, there's a knee-jerk reaction with the audience, and they're like, ah! And so the classical musicians say, oh, that was cool. And then they play that movement, and now they Right. And so the audiences now start to respond to every movement throughout the show. It's a different experience, and I think they walk away having had some fun. Do you have more of that coming up? You know, we did uh, six or seven shows this year. We did uh, the Phoenix Symphony in Arizona. We did Denver in Colorado. We did uh, two nights at the Hollywood Bowl with the LA Philharmonic. Um, we did uh, uh, Ravinia twice with the Ravinia Symphony there in Chicago. Um, up till now, up till now, we've done about ten shows in total since we launched this project, and um, I don't have dates on the calendar right now. But at this point, uh, my booking office is, is Elizabeth Silva at IMG Artist, and that's their area. So they're they're working hard to 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 build some uh, a good calendar for 2007. The trombone's role in salsa is very different than in nearly any other genre. How do you see the trombonist's role in a salsa band as you, as you perform? Clearly, has a very important role. I think I think the trombone sound in salsa music is in the brass family, the the instrument that is closest to the human voice. And when we think about lead singers, which are very important in salsa music, especially cats who can improvise, or something, what we call sonetos, the trombone sound for me is is the closest to that. That. It's the instrument that creates a, a, a level of warmth in the family that stimulates the rides by way of, of what we call playing monias or improvised riffs. In jazz, we call them riffs. In, in, in salsa music, they're monias. And um, the trombone's role is, is just that, to create that audible sound and rhythmic sound that has an automatic reaction in the music that elevates it, brings it to another level, setting the stage for, for counterpoint and reaction and, and answers with, by way of the trumpets and saxes and the rest of the section. Um, it is an important role. One of the things I've done as a soloist is to get out of the back line and come to the front line. And uh, there are many, many, many trombone players. When I think about it now, in salsa music that have played an important role. When you think about it, the great salsa records, there was Barry Rogers in one of those records. And, and, and anytime somebody says, man, I remember this tune. And when you hear it, you say, oh, there's a trombone solo in there. Who was that? It was either Jose Rodriguez, it was Barry Rogers, it was Renaldo Jorge, it was uh, Louis Kahn, it was, uh, oh man, so many. You mentioned all these great salsa trombonists that few people outside of that genre will have heard of, but great players in their own right that have almost been been lost in that generation. That's right, and and great players for the era, for the time, for the music. You know when, and and I say that to you because, you know when I think of Yamaha, on some levels, I I I I, I think about the whole classical world, which is a very big world, and when I think about salsa music. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm very clear that the experience in salsa music 
by way of what people's expectations are, by way of intonation sometimes, or, or the playing styles of the instrument is, is considerably different. Um, some people would say, oh, it's not different at all. I said, well, no, it is different because most of us cats like me aren't really worried about having a polished sound per se. I'm looking to strike your heart with an arrow. And that arrow is the notes that come flying out of my horn. about your career, the people you've played with, the CDs and DVDs that you currently have. How can people find out more about your music? A um, number of ways. Descarga.com is, is a good website. They, they sell product online. They have a pretty up-to-date discography on, on the, um, the Jimmy Bosch website, which is JimmyBosch.com. Um, also, Jimmy Bosch Music on MySpace. It's a little more cheesy, but <laughs> because uh, you got all kinds of stuff showing up on my thing there, but uh, um, it's very informative. I have my calendar pretty much up to date. There's a lot of stuff I need to put on there now. Um, but those are some of the, the places online that you can um, check out. Who are some of the musicians you're listening to today? What's on your iPod? I uh, ask that question. Well, I don't have an iPod because I. I uh, so you're you're the one, huh? I buy the iPods, but I buy them for others. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what's in your CD player at home then? Well, I I gotta tell you, Kurt. I listen today, interestingly enough, to the music that my kids listen to or my girlfriend listens to. She's very in touch with everything that is anything today. So, she has a very very big appetite for many many different genres of music. Which is different for me because I, I've been stuck in salsa music my whole life and some jazz perhaps and some classical by way of my exposure when I was at Rutgers University. And uh, if I go to a, an occasional show or, or interact with people who really love classical music uh, and then I, it, wet, it wets my appetite and stimulates my brain and, and it's something that I love. But um, for me, my whole surrounding has always been the Latino community which was empowered me to play and record and perform and, and live off of this music that I love so much, you know. So I guess today, um, through osmosis, I, I get to listen to um, everything from, uh, I can't even tell you the names of the artists, but by way of genres, everything from rock to Spanish rock to um, Salsa music, of course, some jazz, some Latin jazz, some pop, some reggaeton, some um, some hip-hop, some rap. I mean, literally, I, I get to kind of taste it all. And even Indian, Indian music and Asian music. And you know, as I travel and perform at these world music festivals around the world, I get to listen live to 50 musician gypsy bands that I've, in my wildest dreams, would ever experience or think I would experience. And all of a sudden I'm on this venue about to perform on a stage on which there are 50 musicians playing and gypsy music with influences from all over the world. It's, it's pretty exciting and spectacular to me. What do you order at Starbucks? <laughs> what do I order at Starbucks? 
Are you a coffee drinker? I am totally a coffee drinker. <laughs> I'm a double tall latte kind of guy. Really? Double tall latte? Double tall latte. The double means just extra shot. Yeah, just an extra shot. Yeah. See if I grow hair back on my head. Is it, how's it going so far? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> the, uh, the aging musician look. It's a good look, though. Thank you. The trombone player goatee. Yeah. We all have that. It's, interestingly enough, there are a whole lot of trombone players now that are bald-headed and have this look. It cracks me up sometimes. I'm on my way. <laughs> Soon I'll go for the Jimmy Bosch. <laughs> there you go. That's funny. Well, thank you, Jimmy, for taking the time to come out talk with us today your your music is incredible i've been a fan Thank for a number of years and i hope people get a chance to check out jimmybosch.com learn more about your music who you've played with and you'll get exposed to the salsa music thank you thank you it's nice to be uh associated with yamaha still after uh, 10 years is it almost ten, 10 years 10 years and you're playing the same horn that you've been Playing for ten years. That's right. I'm not. I'm not one of those. I'm not one to really experiment too much. If it works, it works, and uh, I'm a happy camper. I suppose if I don't know, if something happens in my old age, uh, five or six years from now, and, and, and there's a reason to shift, I, I don't really see see it. Although of late, I have been thinking about. I think I even mentioned it to you once. You know, looking at at a bigger size horn just to just to kind of see if I relax in my in my approach. Maybe I'm already thinking about using a stool on stage or something. I don't know. <laughs> using a stool. I can't, I can't see you ever sitting on stage in a stool, Jimmy. Well, I, I've had them. I just don't end up on them for too long, you know? <laughs> That's only when you're resting. You can sit on this stool. <laughs> well, maybe we'll go over to the uh, to the tryout room and check out some of the, the larger horns. That'd be great. Thanks again, Jimmy. My pleasure. Thank you.